Welcome to Hilliard Studio Podcast, your resource for everything happening in the Hilliard Studio Method world. Need some new gear for the summer season? Because you're one of our loyal podcast listeners, we've got a deal for you. Take 20% off all apparel at HilliardStudioMethod.com by using the promo code PODCAST. That's 20% off all apparel at HilliardStudioMethod.com by using the promo code PODCAST. Thanks for listening. And now, here's your hosts, Liz Hilliard and Lee Canelli. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Hilliard Studio Podcast. I'm Liz Hilliard. I'm Lee Canelli, and we would like to welcome today Mark Reed, head of school of Charlotte Country Day Schools. Thank you. Uh, I'm excited to to talk to the two of you. You know, I know one of you is a parent, and one of you uh, used to wear me out in the. Uh, That's in the gym. right. That's right. So back before Hilliard Studio Method was as big as Hilliard Studio Method, we had. Uh, Mark Reed in for some hard workouts on occasion. I think we could do that again, right, Mark? I think I need it again. <laughs> yeah. um, it's always good time. Okay, well, let's get started because uh, sure. your your time is of essence here. So here's what we want to know. Basic work. What is your plan starting out this fall for Charlotte Country Day School? What is the plan to come back? So Charlotte Country Day built a plan uh, based on three different models, one that would bring students back with protective pieces in place and also with uh, also with enhanced cleaning um, and um, a set of of guidelines and rules around COVID-19. We also built a plan that was a blended plan where students would come back for shorter periods of time, a number of days in a week. And then we did a full remote plan that was in place and has been in place, um, but an enhanced version of it. So we had these three plans we put together and we got to a place where we were just going to monitor all of our sources that we were monitoring before we made a decision. We sent out information to our parents saying that uh, the goal, which remains our goal, is to have people here in person, students in person for instruction with our instructors. We believe that that is the best education you can provide. And so that's always our goal. So no matter what phase we're in, whether it's this model where we're all at school, whether we're blended or whether we're remote, the goal is always to have students back uh, as much as possible in front of their in front of their teachers. Um, at this point in time, given the current data and the information on COVID-19 in Mecklenburg mm-hmm. County, it's clearly becoming more and more challenging for us to open fully on campus. Uh, so what we've prepared um, along with those scenarios is uh, this notion of coming back blended with uh, lower school students being spread out and split their classrooms, their homerooms being split so that they're socially distanced apart mm-hmm. and uh, middle and upper school coming back in a blended learning model where one group of students would come one part of of the week and another group would come another part of the week and the other times during the week they would be remote learning. 
I'm assuming you'll be wearing face masks, right? We absolutely will be wearing face masks. Face masks are mandatory. Um, we will be socially distancing. Um, and again, I will preface that with all of this depends on the data we continue to receive from all of the different sources we get data from, the Mecklenburg mm-hmm. County Health Department, the, uh, the governor, the physicians that we consult with, um, the data that we get and gather every day, um, the American Association of Pediatrics, we get all of our guidelines and we, we base our decisions on those guidelines, not on um, anything more or less than those okay. guidelines. Right. Do you have a task force or anything within the school that you've created that are making these decisions? So we do. This is sim- this is not simply a Mark Reed decision. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely not my own decision. We put together an emergency planning team back in early March, okay. before the spring before spring break, and before this really hit hard. Uh, and that emergency planning team has been working tirelessly, and I'm so proud of all that they've done. But they've been working tirelessly this entire time on what's next. And so in March they were planning on what the return to school might look like in. Mm-hmm. April. And when that didn't happen in April, they were planning on what the return might look like in May. And then when that didn't happen, they were planning on all of the other events that take place on our school's campus, whether that's summer programs, um, formal events such as commencement, uh, all of those things were um, were part of this emergency team's planning. Uh, and so they've continued that planning and now they continue it into the next school year. And so we're already looking at not just the opening of school, but we're looking at traditional events that take place on yeah. campus for large gatherings. We're looking mm-hmm. at all different levels of uh all different levels of activities that would normally take place in a school day and how they might shift and change. Yeah. Gosh, uh, I'm just going to skip ahead here. Would you say this is possibly the biggest challenge of your educator, educational career? You know, as I think back in 30, this will be 32 years. I really can't think of, of a challenge that has impacted so many. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have, have had to, to deal with real tragedies mm-hmm. um, of small, numbers where we've, we have uh, lost a uh, student has lost their life. And that is a tragedy in itself. And dealing with that um, and a community that's mourning is, is a challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, This is unpredictable and it affects every single individual um, employee and uh, community member. So I would say this is probably um, the most significant that I've dealt with. Right. Let me ask one more question, Lena. I know you're kind of chomping at the bit. So knowing that safety is your first priority, mm-hmm. how are you going to reassure parents, faculty, and students that they're going to be safe? I would think that's a huge challenge. So risk mitigation has been yeah. our primary, our primary uh, purpose this summer in thinking about anybody returning to campus, not just, not just teachers and uh, students, but also our daily employees, all of our employees mm-hmm. that are 12 month employees, how do we bring them back to campus in a way where we've rid- where we have mitigated as much risk as we can. Mm-hmm. And uh, we continue to do that every day. And the more we read and the more we understand about ways to do that, the more we explore that and put forth effort to, to, to mitigate risk. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anybody in this country in any, in any venue where they're going to bring more than one person in that can say they're a hundred percent safe? I don't think so. Right. There isn't. But, but what I will tell you is we are taking uh, the time and the effort to mitigate as much risk as possible. 
I love that. And you, you just have to. And, and I guess my question would be, you know, next let's, someone gets COVID, there's an outbreak either in Charlotte or within country day. What happens next? Well, there clearly have already been outbreaks in Charlotte. When those numbers continue to rise. Yeah. And that's the beauty of having three different plans. The challenge is preparing for all three of those plans. But the beauty of having three plans is that you can can react and respond. Uh, The other thing I will say that's so incredible about the Charlotte Country Day School community, and I'm not trying to do an advertisement for, for my parents, but I am so proud of the way that our parents and our teachers have been flexible Mm -hmm. and have been Mm -hmm. adaptable and have absolutely supported the school in how to make sure that we're trying to live out our mission and serve our students. Mm -hmm. Um, The community has been just unbelievable. And I couldn't ask for any more. Um, even the emails that are sent to me that are kind of questioning yeah. right. what we're doing are done in a pretty good spirit. And, and I, all I can do is be thankful for that. Um, right. There's a lot of trust that's been built in the community. And this is a time when you lean on that trust. Well, I think that definitely goes right back to you as the leader of the school and, and how are you going to lead through a national pandemic? What have you learned about leadership and communication <laughs> through this? A couple of things. Let, let me count the way, right? <laughs> yeah. but I will tell you for sure. The, the idea of communicating early and often mm, yeah. is something that I, I believed, you know, as a, as a leader in the past, but believe it even more deeply now. Right. Um, I've always tried to be a transparent leader. I've always tried to communicate what's going on, how it's going on, the challenges we're facing. But, uh, but this is, this has been uh, a real lesson in communicating often and as clearly as possible. Uh, this is one of the few times I think that we have communicated as much information right. as we have. So much information that we made the decision that we were going to just do start a website to have have a web page okay. on the school's website that provides information, so that our families, when they start to ask questions, can at least go there first, get their answers, and then either question how we got to that answer or right. question it and and then listen mm-hmm. to our, to our response to it. So the the website or the web page, I should say, the web page has been a huge what, And that's just uh, at countryday.com, charlottecountryday.com. Charlottecountryday.org, yeah. Or, can I ask this question, though? You know, you've got three distinct campuses. You've got the uh, elementary, middle school, and the high school. Mm-hmm. So do you feel that this is going to affect one of the campuses more than others? So effect is a... Is a um, I think all of them will be affected. Uh-huh. How it, how how much it affects them is going to vary. So, for instance, we know the challenges of remote education for lower school students, in particularly or in particular early childhood. Mm-hmm. Early childhood students, uh, it is a real challenge to offer a um, a, a quality kind of online. Yeah education. It really is. No matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, mm-hmm. uh, it's not as challenging in upper school and middle school is somewhere in between. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and that's all through human development, social, emotional growth, um, and building those educational habits. And, you know, young children haven't built those yet. Right. That's gotta upper be school challenge. students have. And so there's a vast difference between the way you 
educate and, and the kinds of aspirations and goals you set yeah. by each division, um, you'll see that our response has been a response that, that really does fit that that understanding of educating. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why we have socially distanced the lower school kids in our blended learning model okay. and kept them here and why our upper school kids are here two to three days a week and doing remote education uh, outside of that. That makes sense. Okay, Mark, in making all of these decisions, if you could talk a little bit about how your emergency team has made the decisions that you all have made so far. Sure. So so we have looked at, I mean, we've done comprehensive reviews on COVID-19 public health guidance, uh, state reopening guidelines. Um, we've looked at our campus footprints, uh, school logistics, parent surveys, and consultants with NAIS, SAIS, and index uh, peer schools to, to better understand what everybody's doing. You know, the beauty of challenges like this is nobody has a simple and easy answer. Right. Um, so all of our schools across the country, all the independent schools across the country really do lean in and offer what they can offer. And people really do use each other to lean on, to help develop plans, to help think through challenges that, uh, that could be coming down the, the pike. I know um, one of the most uh, valuable things for me has been a weekly conversation I have with the heads of six other independent schools in the Charlotte area. Um, and that really has been great conversation around kind of what are the challenges you see? What are the challenges we see? You know, how are you guys solving those. Here's the approach we're taking to solve things. That that type of um, collaboration in the sense that you're bouncing ideas off each other has been extremely helpful. But the emergency planning team is doing the same thing. I know my my assistant head of school mm-hmm. is in, is talking to heads of uh, assistant heads of school around the city and around the country. The same thing with my division heads, the same thing with the nurses. I mean, that emergency planning team really is reaching out beyond the the big organizations that we use mm-hmm. and um, and really getting kind of nitty gritty information so that we can compare, contrast, you know, not every campus is as broad and as open as ours. Right. Um, and we have to, to look at all of these situations based on our, what's best for our community. That's so good. The collaboration between the schools. I mean, you're, you know, certainly trailblazing, but to have other people to rely on is great. Kind of a bonus question. Do you have someone personally as a mentor or a role model that during this for your own sanity, you've gone to? You know, I, I will tell you, it's been interesting because what's emerged from this is different people in different venues. Mm. I, I, I have had a, an immense respect for our board chair, Scott Stevens, for a long time, but we've never had to leave, leave in this kind of situation. And I've gotten to know Scott in a way that I don't know that I would have otherwise. And right. I have great respect for Scott and the work he does, and most importantly, the way he thinks. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are other mentors that I may talk to, people who have been in the industry for a long, long time, who will just say to me, point blank, I've never had to deal with the pandemic. You know, <laughs> we, we knew bird flu was coming. So we all developed these pandemic plans and Charlotte country day school had a pandemic plan that was based on, on the, uh, on bird, you know, the bird flu. And we did one in, in, in Houston at St. John's school. So we had these okay. pandemic plans, but they weren't really 
this comprehensive. Yeah. And it it wasn't put into place this way. And I look at it now and I go, wow, (laughs) this wasn't even scratching the surface of what Mm. needs to happen. So back to one of your earlier questions about what, you know, about one of the, what are the lessons learned? I can guarantee you pandemic planning for schools, for businesses, both nonprofit and for-profit will change forever. So I think that's, a really good point you made, the opportunity you had to get to know him better. I think that's what we're all looking for during such a crisis, that there is hope, that there is opportunity to create and change and do better than we did before, even though every day is so hard. Yeah. With, with all that's going on, when you think about uh, the way and the state of the world right now, um, being self-reflective, I think is a key to how you're going to treat others. Thinking about Mm -hmm. how you view the world and how your view may not match with other people, but there's a basic humanity in everyone that should be respected, understood, and, you know, we should feel empathy towards each other. And that, I think that's at the end of the day, that's how we're going to measure what comes from this. I agree. I think that's coming to the surface. And I think that's going to be the beautiful takeaway from this hard time we're going through. No doubt. I think the best bumper sticker I've seen out there says, uh, love wins with an exclamation mark. <laughs> we can agree more. Day, there you go. Yeah, at the <laughs> end of the it. day, I think that's it. So I've got just, I've got to say this about Mark. I'm not sure everyone knows this, <laughs> but he was a record holder in the high jump. You jumped seven feet, seven inches at the University of Houston. Am I correct? Many, many, many years, (laughs) many, many 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 pounds ago. ago. But, but, you know, you were a little bit better than Carl Lewis, but, you know, he was on your team. I I would not claim I was better than Carl Lewis. Um, I will say that I, I, there were some very successful years in high jump in track and field. Mm -hmm. uh, And the lessons that, that you learn from those years are the ones that carry you forward. Forever. That's my question. Sure. All right, here we are. We've got we've got the educational thing sort of figured out. What are we going to do about sports? Um, we know that sociability, which you brought up a moment ago, yeah. is huge for any age. Yeah. What are we going to do about sports? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a huge mental health and Arts. health issue as well. I mean, we asked my son this morning, who's yeah. an eighth grader, if you were asking, you know, the head of school a question, what would it be? And he said, when can I play sports? Yeah, yeah. we we have a, um, a very healthy, sometimes not so healthy, but a healthy... Um, I guess I would say a a healthy value placed on athletics Mm -hmm. for good reason. I mean, there are lots of great, great things that come from athletics beyond physical fitness and beyond strength and conditioning. And um, those are the things that, that you know you miss most about athletics and that you will miss as a, as a school and institution. Um, we are doing everything we can to try to have some form of athletics come back. And, and you know, we are no different than what you're seeing on the national scene. Right, right. Um, right now you have professional athletes who are saying, yeah. do I want to risk being out there? Well, that's kind of living in a bubble. If you look at what the, uh, what the NBA has done, mm-hmm. um, this notion of living in a bubble, a literal everybody bubble. is there. Yes. Right. Everybody, everybody is there. Everybody's yeah. being tested all the time. And that's the way that they can actually have a competition. Mm-hmm. Well, if that's the way they can have a competition and you move that to the college level, 
and then you move that down to the high school level, boy, the, the challenges yeah. just increase right. each time you go down, not up. Because when you go up, you add more security, you add more people who can manage one or two or three or hundreds of things. And as you go down, you have fewer and fewer people in those places. Um, you're asking more and more of a community. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, the challenges are, are immense. At the same time, athletics, the arts, mm -hmm. um, the social emotional growth of children is critical. Yeah, It's absolutely critical. And when we think about um, all of the things we think about, and, you know, like I said, we've, we've looked at NAI's National Association of Independent Schools. We look mm -hmm. at the Independent School Data Exchange. We look at SAIS, the Southern Association of Independent Schools, along with the governor and the Mecklenburg Health, um, you know, guidelines, the state reopening guidelines. We look at all of those things and we start making decisions and there's no way we can make those decisions without knowing and valuing the socio, um, just the, the, not the socio, the social, right. um, emotional health of children. Right. And that, 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 uh, social emotional health of children is, is critical. The American Association of Pediatrics understands that and values that. And they've made their recommendation about starting schools. Mind you, they've said, do that in a way that is safe. And, right. and I will tell you, uh, we can't be compared to a large public school. We can be compared to other independent schools mm -hmm, mm -hmm, just fine. Mm -hmm. You can't compare us to a, to a large uh, school system simply because they have so many more hurdles to yeah, jump. When right. you start thinking about the thousands of students who ride buses, right. you start thinking about the ability to transport them. You start thinking about all of the, the normal activities. So when we talk about, um, socially distancing students in classrooms. When we talk about spreading apart, our campus happens to be an outdoor campus. Right. Classes lead outside so we can spread out easier. Mm -hmm. When you start thinking about students in two and three and four story buildings yeah. in the hallways, it's a different set of challenges. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just a different set of challenges. And, and I recognize it's a different set of challenges and have great, great respect for leaders in, in the public school systems because it is very challenging. My mother taught in public schools. My sister still teaches in public schools. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, I'm a product of public schools and right. the challenges are immense. Right. And you grew up in Montana. Am I right? Come on. <laughs> I did. I you did told me grow, this one time. I did grow up in Montana. I thought I grew so. grew up in Montana with a, a fly rod in my hand. And, exactly. And, uh, that is how I get away and clear my head. Yeah. With a fly rod in my hand or a golf club in my hand. Well, or coming to uh, my studio. Or coming, your studio. Coming, <laughs> coming to Hilliard right studio. now. I miss you so I'm much, gonna, Mark. Somehow oh, I think I'm going to be buying. We're going to have to release some stress I, at Hilliard, right? I right. think I'll be buying a membership before you know it. I just, I see it happening. I'm always That's really why we're here today. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. This is not, yeah. This is an question. intervention into I, my right, stress. It is an intervention. <laughs> well, I do. I mean, I really think about people like you who are making these decisions. Oh, I mean, decisions. the risk mitiga mitigation is really a big deal across the board for everybody. Um, Will you, do you see the beginning of the year being a lot of training with your teachers and the students about how like the day will function literally? Yeah. So the, so the training with faculty and staff has to happen before the students right. step on campus, the, the um, health screenings, all those things have to happen before the day days before yeah. students arrive on campus. And, and yes, there is a training piece for students also. Okay. Um, I will tell you, you know, you, you mentioned a second ago that the, the, the uh, kind of immense nature of this challenge, 
as an educator and as a leader, if this doesn't keep you up at night, yeah. nothing will. Nothing. Um, because I'll wake up in the middle of the night thinking I forgot about this or I need to make a note about this. And you sit up, you either type it into your phone or you, I keep a notepad next to my, mm-hmm. uh, next to my, my, my uh, bed on my bedside table and you just jot down a note. And then when you wake up in the morning, a few hours later, yeah. you, um, 45 you, minutes you, later, you're, you're sending emails. And I'm sure that, that my leadership team is uh, kind of wondering why they're getting emails um, sometimes at 4.30 in the morning and sometimes yeah. mm-hmm. at, at 6.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also receiving them from sure. those same leaders on my teams at 4.30 and 6.30 right. because they're waking up in the middle of the night thinking about the same yeah. kinds of challenges. Um, and they're waking up and sending emails at 6.30 in the morning saying, have we thought about this or let's consider doing this. Um, and I can't say enough about the team that, um, that I, that, that I work with, this school would not be what it is without that team. Mm-hmm. I was a parent here for 13 years. And I have to say, I'd feel really secure coming back into this with your group as at the, as, at the head of this, this tough time. Absolutely. I don't know if you've had maybe the opportunity to, to think about what this is going to look like long-term, maybe the effects of this type of learning on children's mental and, you know, social capabilities. I mean, do you see education starting to shift because of this in any way long-term? So I've said way back in March, I said, Mm -hmm. this is, this is going to be a real test Mm -hmm. of education outside of person to person. Right. Um, teaching and learning. And uh, I still think it will be. I think that uh, what we have done over the past three or four months, systems have been developed that were not even thought about before. And those that were thought about have been enhanced to an unbelievable degree. If you think about what Zoom calls were before this hit. Who knew what that was? If you think about how they've enhanced Zoom, if you think about Microsoft Teams, when you could only put four individuals on the screen and now, I mean, this is all happening at a pace that no one expected it to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and yet people stepped up and made it happen. And so I think, you know, we, we live in a, we live in it at a time when innovation is no longer something that is convenient. Now innovation is something that's become necessary. And so you have innovators who are thriving right yeah. now because the country needs them to thrive. The world needs them to thrive. And those innovators that we've talked about and that we talked about developing, you know, 20 and 30 years ago in schools, how are we developing innovators um, are now alive and well. And, and I will say making a difference in how the world responds to this pandemic. I hope when you speak to the upper school, you say exactly what you just said, (laughs) because if you're in high school or in universities now, that's who we need, who we have to have. That was well said. Well, the, the, the fact is the jobs that these students will be taking that are lower in middle school, they will be filling in jobs that have yet to be, Mm -hmm, to to even be discovered. Right. And so it's going to be a different world. And this in some ways has accelerated that innovative path in this regard. Mm -hmm. There are other areas where innovation can certainly, could certainly use a boost, Mm -hmm. but, but in this regard, innovation is, is accelerated. Yeah. 
All right. So, uh, what, just to kind of round it up, um, what do you see, uh, or would, what would you like to see come out of this whole thing? Not only at country day school, but as the Charlotte community, I think you just sort of said it with the innovation that we're all getting and learning on the fly, but seeing the future, there will be a cure for this virus at some point. Hopefully soon we'll have things like saliva tests that we can have before we go to sports or school. But what, what, what is your hope for our community in Charlotte? So it's something bigger than innovation. It's even bigger than education. I hope that that empathy Mm. and compassion go on an all-time high. Mm -hmm. I hope that people care about the people next to them and the people across the street from them and the people across town from them and the people in other countries. I hope that we have a deeper sense of caring for each other and taking care of each other Mm -hmm. in a way that makes the world a different and better place. Wow. (laughs) You heard it here. I mean, that's an incredible thing to say and what you're doing at Country Day and, and for the Charlotte community and education as a whole, I think is so, so wonderful. And I'd like to thank you. I think we can probably round it up there. Um, I will see you in my studio soon. Is that correct? <laughs> I, I need the help. I do I need the it. help. No, um, thank you so much, Mark. Yes. And uh, it's been such thank a pleasure. You. And I know you're busy and I really appreciate you taking this time with Lee and I. Well, I'm, ha- I'm happy to do it. Um, and it's great to see the two of you. Uh, um, thank you. Socially thank you. distanced with masks. On. <laughs> That's right. It's great to yes, see we you. are way across the table from each other at I made Day them, School. I made them more than nine feet from <laughs> that's me. Right. Masked but, up. Uh, masked up. That's right. But, um, uh, you know, you have done great things and innovative things thank with you. with all the work that you've done. I've watched it grow oh, and it's been quite impressive uh, over my 11 years here. Sure. And um, I have to say that this school is... Um, is, is one of those places that I want to continue to be that same thing. I want it to continue to grow and be a better and better place for students. You're Thank you it. again. Yeah. Thank you again. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Hilliard Studio Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, take a moment to subscribe to the Hilliard Studio Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and a review so that others can find us. We're looking forward to reopening Hilliard Studio Method soon, but until we know when we can do that, we're going to keep providing you with great HSM content, including at-home workouts, healthy tips for you and your family, as well as candid conversations with Lee and Liz. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hilliard Studio Method for all the latest HSM news. Book classes, stream workouts, buy gear, and much more at our website, HilliardStudioMethod.com. That's it for now. We'll talk to you next week.